Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Paper Tuesdays with Mark Halpin and Michael Dwyer. I am Mark Halpin. Hi, Michael Dwyer. You're on episode five, and you're about to give your consent to be opened up to the world of possibilities. That is Paper Tuesdays. Consent is important. Yes, yes, especially in this age of GDPR, Mark Halpin. Um, I wonder how the consent has fared in these young people in the in our parish of the week, Mark. This time we're going to Goa in India, and the young people have given their consent there to the local priests and scientists to become part of the people working in the paddy fields. And it's a trade that has not been... Uh, taken up by the young people before so he's teaching them you know the 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 old traditions of um, collecting rice in the paddy fields and much like here in Ireland those type of trades are dying out well I know farming is still strong here but you know that you don't hear a lot of many people uh, going through the, the stage of apprenticeship bar becoming maybe an electrician or something like that you know so we do have shortage in that area so it was interesting to see that young people nowadays are more inclined to other professions rather than the ones that involve hard work. Do you agree with me? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Father Prairie is a deserving winner of our Parish of the Week, I think. He's sort of re-established and lost connections between religion and science with his career path. Yeah. And he's also reframed child labour into a far more positive light for me. <laughs> yes, it's something that needs to be brought back, Mark. Yeah, yeah. Very good. <laughs> Well, I suppose we'll go to our newspaper stories there, Mark, and there's one in the Irish News there about this Tyrone girl, um, Hannah McSorley, who's taken over the taken over TikTok, really. Are you, are you on TikTok, Mark? I'm not, no, Michael. I'm still, in my, I'm still being stubborn about that one. I won't cross over yet. What about you? Mark, I went on it, and not to be a negative Nelly or, or a morning, Michael, I, I found it overwhelming. I mean, the videos, if you can imagine it, Mark, it's it's constantly at you, you know, constant stimulation, video, 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 music, music, music. Um, it's it's just extremely impactful. So I, I just said I had to delete it. I wasn't able for it. <laughs> You'd like to be romanced a bit first, Michael. Straight in, okay, some of the videos from TikTok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the problem with TikTok. But anyway, it hasn't been a problem for one Hannah McSorley. Uh, I, I also, the name McSorley, Mark, it reminds me of another famous Northern Ireland person. Rory McSorley was the Frostbit boy. Do you remember him, Mark? Oh, how could I forget? Yeah. Well, anyway, the McSorleys know what to do with the media. That's that's what I've learned from this, Mark. Uh, Hannah McSorley started off with this by just collecting a bit of tadpole spawn and teaching her younger brother how the tadpole spawn eventually becomes frogs. And um, it, they've taken over her back garden and she has great plans to revitalise local areas where there are frogs because uh, she says that the dry weather has impacted frogs a lot of them have died so she's hoping that she can revitalize nature with her approach she wants to be a vet in the future but i tell you what mark she could have a future in the tiktok world with millions of views racked up and you know she has signed a deal with the u.s influencer agency and i find that fascinating as hannah herself said it's the first step on their journey together really yeah She's actually, she's becoming famous off her little spot. Yeah, I don't know how the influencer agency is going to monetize it. Maybe they just thought, she's getting loads of views. Let's just, just hit her down. And then <laughs> yeah. Like, what's, what, what's, the, what's next? Like, how does she progress her career from here? What's yeah, the I don't know. Grow up? 
maybe like t-shirts and mugs. It always comes back to merch, doesn't it? Like t-shirts and mugs. That's where you make your money. <laughs> I used to collect starfish when I was younger. Did you? Yeah, when I, I used to go to the beach, I was around four or five, and I used to bring them home in a bucket and keep them in my room, and then my mother threw them all out because it started to smell. Yeah, and like, did it bother you that like they were dying? Like, I think she's no, keeping no, the no, tap no, all no. over. Sure, I didn't even know. I didn't know they were alive in the first place. I think I thought they were sort of shells or something. I didn't realize oh. they were live animals. Well, there you have it, anyway. So we go to the Connacht Telegraph, and there, the Marine Institute is uh, calling for people to exp- to show them what the sea means to me. That's their hashtag, and they're looking for entries into their competition. That you could win a hamper full of books and DVDs about the sea. And I just thought it was interesting you know to think that the sea can mean something to people i know where we might have learned more about this now next week when we have a special guest who's a marine conservationist on mark but uh you live very close to the sea what does the sea mean to you mark Apple? what does the sea mean to me i suppose the sea means different things to me throughout each interaction with it Do you know what i mean it's a changing flowing thing like the crest of the wave falls it changes and brings a new but uh, first of all, I suppose the sea is always intimidating, you know, it's loud and cold, fast and grey. And second, it becomes familiar, you know, my body acclimates, I loosen up and let my guard down, I relax, the sea becomes home. Then third, it becomes a toilet, and then it becomes disgusting and I have to get out. <laughs> oh, Mark, that's brilliant. Yeah, I wonder would that win you a hamper? We must try and test the waters there. <laughs> they need to make a judgment call on the last bit do we want to encourage urinating in the water and finally Mark this week's final story comes from the Anscorthy Garden where two garden ornaments turned out to be a lot more than garden ornaments when the army bomb disposal squad were called as they were believed to have been actually bombs from World War II and it was the tiny quiet village of where the army bomb disposal unit uh, travelled to and uh, disarmed the bombs. So I'm telling you, it's it's a it's a lucky escape for the, for that little small home. Yeah, who keeps artillery shells as ornaments in the first place? <laughs> Even if they are out of day once, like, nothing screams "Welcome to my home" like mass murder. <laughs> I'd love to have I a think, look at I them. think we have a gnome and uh, a gnome playing golf and a stone West Highland Terrier in our garden. <laughs> yeah. Make Halpin's garden, you know, there's nothing simple. Oh, I'm telling you, mean. after this quarantine, you should see that garden. Yeah, yeah. You know, but like a lot of gardens, Mark, they're, they're full of clutter, you know, bombs, gnomes, whatever it is. You wouldn't find a bomb or many gnomes in Mick, in Mick Halpin's garden, you know. He knows the subtle gestures that can just make a garden right. Like a Picasso, I suppose. Yes, yeah, simplicity. Speaking of art and Picasso. Oh, yes, what a brilliant time. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Flash Flood. I can tell you now, the world of art has gone to be f- today, so it is. Absolutely, it's, it's gone to s***, right? You have all this airy-fairy, arty-farty bullshit. Abstract art. It, it really gets on my t- right? Gone now, you go into a gallery now and all you see is this abstract f***ing shit where you don't know what you're looking at and you're there for half an hour trying to work out is it this? Is it that? Is it the other? That doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't cut the mustard, right? Now, Mark, you know, culture vultures, we go into the galleries when we're away. We don't go to pubs or nothing like that. We go into the art galleries. But, like, I like going into art galleries and seeing a picture of a lion or a tiger or a mountain or 
or a big-breasted Botticellian woman. You sit there, you look at it, and you go, that's what that is. And you can work a house fairly quickly. It's not, not the case uh, where you're struggling to work a house. So in my mind, abstract art is out the door. It's tonsillitis. It's it's on a stick. It's just not going to work for me and bring back good old-fashioned impressionism where you knew what you were looking at. Now, that's what I call a flash flood mark. You know, he cuts straight to the point there. Abstract art is tonsillitis. But tell me this. I never knew you were a culture vulture. I'm quite the culture vulture myself. And James go visit, as he says, we go to these galleries on our um, away days. And that, that, that's not even being um, fictional. We do go to art galleries. We've been to the ones in London. And I have to say, I have to side with James this week on his opinion. Art has gone to the dog side. Nowadays, some NCAD student can attach a car battery to their nipples while holding a paintbrush to a canvas and call it abstract art. <laughs> And then say, I don't get it because <laughs> because I dress like a person and not a Pokemon trainer. There's a fine line between art and ADHD, Michael, and I believe it's time we re-established it. <laughs> I, I get James Hood's point, yes. I get Flash Road. At the same time, I do like standing in the art gallery and wondering, well, what does that mean? And now sometimes it can be uncomfortable. I remember there was this, I was in an art gallery in Melbourne, Mark, and there was this audio playing on repeat of ch- children wailing. And I, I just thought that was a step too far. You know, it was quite, it was really uncomfortable <laughs> to listen to. And yeah, but then it can be very colourful and bright. We were, Ashton and I were in a beautiful art gallery in, um, in Malaga, and there were things that just didn't make sense. There were, you know, sheep, there was, yeah, but... I, I have to say, the impact of art, Mark, if I was going to go this way, though, you do have to sit and look at it. You do have to say, I wouldn't be just about the big-breasted Botticellian woman. I'd want a big landscape that I, I could kind of sit with and take it in. Like Yeats, Jack Yeats's painting. You know, there's a lot of his use of colour in it. Well, why why is that building black? What What is he trying to say? Was that his childhood home? What, why, why is... You know, I, I do love sitting with a painting and trying to derive its meaning. That's fair enough, the, the devil's advocate, I suppose, but i just like you to know that you're wrong in me and Flutter, right? <laughs> That's the power <laughs> of the flash flood, isn't it? You know, there's, there's no room for uh, any... Uh... There's no mess and it's black and white. Yeah, it is black and white, yes. <laughs> but London wasn't the only place me and James went. Me and James also used to go and visit you for lunch on Wednesdays. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. In a certain place. <laughs> yes. Doll Aaron. Yeah, Doll Aaron, yeah. We had a fine carvery, didn't we? We were so, yeah, I was so out of place. <laughs> I was you, a college student. And yeah, I was yeah. generally hung over on a Wednesday. And I'd rock up to the Doll. <laughs> In tracksuits. Like, you'd see the likes of, um, who's your man with the moustache? Willie O'Dee. Willie O'Dee, yeah, he likes a Willie O'Dee at like, the table across from you. And there's me in a tracksuit stinking of Tesco Larger. <laughs> Sadness. <laughs> but there yeah. were fine dinners. It was interesting times, all right. Yeah, I haven't had a good carvery dinner from there. They do a fine turkey and ham dinner for 60 euro. They did, yeah. No, the dinner was lovely in there. No wonder they're all fat. Oh. I <laughs> know, uh, I, I respect our government. <laughs> <laughs> All more power to them. That's your luck. They're fine people, yeah. <laughs> right, chaps. Right, chaps. <laughs> One day you and Flood will be up there and you'll be calling the shots. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> Who do you reckon now? If you had to give, uh, you were to give the three of us a position within the cabinet. Okay. Who would be who? I'd be minister for health because I think <laughs> there needs. I am higher than that, Michael. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Any I, position. I give you minister for education and skills. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Lifelong dream fulfilled. <laughs> <laughs> Who's laughing now, Mr. <laughs> and James Flood is the Minister for Foreign Affairs and Trade just because I love the idea of him meeting and mingling with like international diplomats from other countries. <laughs> Can you imagine it? It'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> right, so what would you be then? You can't you're not you have to have a higher position. The Minister for Health. That's a pretty damn high position, I think. <laughs> Who's T Shock then? One three of us are in. Oh, all right. All right, Taoiseach. I will give James Hood. I, I make James Hood Taoiseach because I'd love to see a State of the Nation address from James Hood. Hello, I'm going to talk to you about abstract art. We need to get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk to you about the need for compulsory Gaelic football. And, you know, <laughs> the man would come up with so many schemes, wouldn't he? <laughs> Be giving press conferences from Adriano's and Ferns. <laughs> we always seem to return to flood. It's kind of the maxim of this podcast, you know. Deal with everything. Yeah, else, he does. And then return to He's flood. Focal point, all right. Yeah, yeah. But you know, people don't have to sit there in silence. We've had some people voice their concern, namely one Gavin Stamp. You know, if you have any thoughts, feelings, or emotions as a result of this Paper Tuesday's podcast. Find us on Instagram at Paper Tuesdays there. Mark, do you remember the days when we went ghost hunting? Yeah, yeah, I do. The days of the Renault again. Yeah. We, we've traveled most parts of Northwestern really looking for ghosts. Do you remember one time we climbed Tara Hill with, I think Connor Kinsler was with us that day. And because it was nighttime, we genuinely thought we'll see a ghost out tonight. And we had our sunglasses on. That's a key part. And the uh, Ghostbusters CD was playing in the car. <laughs> on the way there we were um, actually adults at this stage as well Michael I believe I think we were all over the age of 18 <laughs> and the whistle stop tour like it it wasn't like something you just wasn't an afterthought or it wasn't two or three stops you know we had around 10 stops filled up I'd say by the by the end of our Ghostbuster mission we did we did we never actually caught a ghost no there was definitely a, a lot of shite talking went on yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a bit like crime overactive call. imagination yeah yeah it's a bit like crime call you know when they have the reconstructions you know so this is what we were going through we were standing in the locations where these awful events had occurred and we were thinking wow yeah yeah I remember I sent you a voice note actually about something else paranormal during the week there about uh, the Ned Kelly horseshoe. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. I went to Ned Kelly's homestead. Ned Kelly is sort of an Irish Australian cult hero figure. He was an outlaw who was killed by the police in a standoff. But um, I went to see his house basically, and in the museum there, there was a, a horseshoe and a letter from a girl who had sent a, the horseshoe back to this museum because when she was younger, she went up to this area, took the horseshoe from the area, brought it home, and she reckons it was a bad omen that over the next couple of years it brought a load of bad luck to the family, like horrible things happened. So she said, I know this is a weird letter, but I'm sending this back to you and please return it to its rightful place. Wow. So I wonder, Michael, what, what do you make of these omens as such? Do, would you believe in them? 
Yeah, I'd be inclined towards the mark, just generally, that's my general disposition, I think. But what I, one story that I do know is there's a well here in Enniscorthy, and um, Bella used to take the coins from it and bring them home with him. And one day he did it, and the look that came upon his house afterwards was deplorable. It was awful. So he just brought the coins back to the well. And this is something that I think happened to me as well, and I'm not exactly sure. I remember I told you that I, one day my uncle, it was either my uncle or my grandfather, came up to the house, our house, and I was upstairs. And my mother called me down to the bottom. She was at the bottom of the stairs, and I looked down at her, and she was holding this suit jacket. She said, Mark, look what followed Pat up in his Jeep. Either Pat or Ned, I can't remember who it was, but I said, look who followed up in the, in the what's it called, the mud flap of the car. And I remember looking at the jacket, and I got a weird feeling. And I thought, all right, that's weird. And then I just sat back down in the chair upstairs and thought nothing of it. And then over the next, say, six to eight months, some weird and bad stuff started happening. Like, nothing terrible, but, like, say, the dog at the time robbed my mother's purse and ate, like, a load of 50-euro notes. I think it was, like, 300 to 400 euro. Oh, my God. Strange things like that started happening, yeah. But uh, then eventually, one day, after about six to eight months, I asked my mother... Uh, because it came across my mind that it was just that day with the jacket. I said, what did you ever do with that jacket? And she said, I can't remember where it was, but it was either under the stairs or in the garage. And I asked her, could we get rid of it? And she said, yeah, no bother. And then I'm pretty sure things stopped after that. I, I don't believe in like all this paranormal stuff in general. I would be fairly skeptical of it. But that story, just seeing the horseshoe, I completely forgot about it until I seen the horseshoe and it reminded me of my own story with the suit jacket. Uh, what I love, Mark, is weird feeling. That's the word you describe, like weird feeling. Like, how normally nowadays we're able to say that something has an a, a specific effect on it but how, how do you describe a weird feeling that could come over you i don't know it's like having a moment i suppose it's just like things stopped for a second and i looked at it and i was like it was like my my body took note of this okay it wasn't a mental thing and i didn't think oh there's something about that jacket it was just i remember having a feeling seeing it but ha not having a conscious thought about it. Okay, that's interesting. So you were able to separate your thoughts from your feelings. What I notice is I, I could get a feeling in my gut, and that that like mm. that determines yeah. how I would react to something. Uh, but I think there is, you know, you have to observe that to take action and that type of thing. Yeah, fascinating stuff, Mark. Uh, Ashton won't be happy with me sharing the story with you and the Paper Tuesdays audience back, but I'm going there. Ashton and I saw some sort of paranormal activity. Go on. So we were in uh, Ashton's home place in an undisclosed location in North Wicklow, and there was, we were both sleeping, we were both lying down in the bed, and we, we were sleeping on her couch, and this bright, massive, overwhelming light came out of the television. And it was kind of, we, we stood up there and tried to look over our heads, but there was no, like Ashton lives in a rural location, there was no person shining in this bright light or anything like that. And the, the light was clear as day. It frightened Ashton a bit. I wasn't too taken with it. But you know the way, like when you're sitting with your partner, one is facing one way and the other is facing the other. Well, at the same time then, I was looking at these shadows on the wall and they were going down away, as if someone would go down the stairs and keep that was occurring at a rapid rate numerous times. So I just assumed that Ashen was seeing this as well. But I was the only one that saw that because she wasn't looking that way. 
Uh, what do you reckon it was? Do you reckon it was people or it was a, a I, I, ghost? Or... To this day, I, I think it was ghosts. Yeah. Can we play a game, Like It's called the wrong answer game. Okay. Right, so we each get three questions and you have five seconds to give the wrong answer or a wrong answer to the question. Right. Can't be the right answer and it can't be more than five seconds. Okay. Right, right, right. You can go first. Or which one, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Please, you go first. Wait, so you want me to ask you first? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what brand jumper is that? Nike. Do you like boys or girls? Boys. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever tried meth? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. Right, you're going to die from that. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, go on. Uh, what country are you in? Israel. Um, what animal do you feed in the morning? Giraffe. Okay. And uh, what did you last kiss? What did I last kiss? Yeah. Uh, not my pillow. <laughs> Mark, what did you learn today? Right, so today I learned that child labour can be a good thing. Okay. I learned that TikTok is for tadpoles. <laughs> and I learned that Michael likes boys. Well, that's a resounding summary of this week's Pair of Tuesdays. Mark, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. You've been beautiful, Michael, as always. But thanks for listening. Oh.